David committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11.4. David later found out that he had gotten Bathsheba pregnant. To solve his problem, David ordered Bathsheba's husband put into a forward battle position where he was killed, 2 Samuel 11.5-17. David had multiple wives, 2 Samuel 3.1-5. David was a negligent father, and his family was plagued with strife and tragedy. 2 Samuel 13, 15 through 18, and 28 and 29, and also 18:33. Contrary to the Lord's command, David pridefully numbered his troops, causing 70,000 of his people to die in a plague. 2 Samuel 24, 10 and 15. And yet God states, I have found David a man after my own heart. How can that be? How could God possibly commend a man with this kind of background? Yes, David was a man with feet of clay, a man who at times committed sins that most of us could not imagine, let alone commit. Yet, over the long haul, David sought to be righteous, and his heart's desire was to do God's will. This is the kind of man God looks for, as indicated by Jeremiah 5, 1-9. God doesn't expect perfection, as we can clearly see from David. With all that David had done wrong in his life, God could still look at David's heart and say he was a man after his own heart, a man who did all God's will. The Enabling Grace of God This, my friend, is the grace of God. There can be no other explanation. By his actions, David didn't deserve God's blessings. But in his heart, he had the right desire, a longing to follow and please God. That brings me to an important question, one that can lead to a lot of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in your life. Do you want to be a man after God's own heart? Or, put another way, is your heart's desire to follow after God? You may think that's unrealistic because you have a tendency to take three steps forward, then two steps back in your spiritual walk with God. You may imagine that being a man after God's own heart is too lofty a goal you may conclude that it's not possible because of some of your past actions. But you and I must never forget one thing. God looked at David's heart, and that's where God is going to look in our lives too. When it comes to becoming a man after God's own heart, we can count on the grace of God, a grace that enables us and strengthens us at all times. God looked at David's heart, and my friend, that's where he's going to look in your life too. The grace of God to you. Let's get very serious here for a moment. I want us to ask some hard questions. Question number one. When God looks at your life, what does he look for? He doesn't look for perfection. Being a Christian is not about being perfect. The Bible says that there are no perfect men. No, not one. Romans 3.10. Like David, every person has sinned. Every person has disobeyed God, and it's this disobedience that separates us from God. That's the bad news. But now for the good news. The only perfect man who ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ, God's only Son. He was truly a man after God's own heart. In every way and at all times, he did everything exactly as the Father wanted him to. At Jesus' baptism, God the Father testified of this when he said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Matthew 3:17. Because Jesus was perfect and knew no sin, he was able to die for your sins and mine and pay the penalty for sin, 
which is death. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because of what he did, we can be cleansed of sin and approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4.16 Question number two. What does it mean to become a Christian? Briefly, becoming a Christian means looking to God and His grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, repenting of or turning away from our sins, accepting God's gift of eternal life through His Son's death on our behalf, receiving God's mercy and forgiveness, and living by His grace. Being a Christian doesn't mean you and I don't sin anymore. We will still sin, but sin will cease to be the predominant pattern of our lives. That's because as Christians, we are new creatures in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are new children of God. And when we do sin, because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are convicted and possess a desire to repent so that the joy of our fellowship with God can be restored, Psalm 51.12. Question number three. What is your heart's desire? We have looked at David's heart and his desire to follow God. What about your own heart? Can God look at your heart and say, I have found you to be a man after my heart who desires to do all my will? Question number four. Have you received Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life? Perhaps you have already taken that step of faith and received Christ as your Savior. If not, this is truly the first step toward becoming a man after God's own heart. If you have not yet become a Christian, you can take this most important step in life with a prayer like this one. Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I want to repent of my sins and turn and follow you. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again victorious over the power of sin and death, and I want to accept you as my personal Savior. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and help me follow and obey you from this day forward. Amen. Now, my friend, if you are a Christian, this epitaph found in a graveyard in England could be written of you. I have sinned. I have repented. I have trusted. I have loved. I rest. I shall rise. I shall reign. Desiring Spiritual Growth as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. One summer, some years ago, I was privileged to be part of a team that conducted leadership conferences for pastors in the major cities of Australia. I'll never forget our first conference in Brisbane, Northern Australia. Brisbane is a beautiful city that basks in a pleasant semi-tropical climate with palm trees lining the streets and pineapples growing in fields along the roads leading to the countryside. While staying in Brisbane, I was introduced to the Great Barrier Reef, which is famous among divers and snorkelers because of its crystal clear blue waters. This famous reef extends for some 1,260 miles along the northeast coast above Brisbane. Its width varies from 10 to 90 miles wide. This massive and imposing barrier was produced, strangely enough, by tiny sea creatures called coral. These little animals live and die in colonies which, over the centuries, have built this amazing coral reef, parts of which are hundreds of feet deep. Now, the Great Barrier Reef doesn't look alive. 
But because experts tell me that this astonishing reef is alive and is even continuing to grow as these tiny organisms live and die, I accept it as fact and marvel at what has been and is being produced. Our Source of Growth In a similar way, the Bible is amazing too. At first glance, it looks like any other book. The pages have black ink on white paper, like the newspaper or the TV guide. And yet there is something very different and very alive about the Bible. Why is the Bible unique? Claim number one. The Bible claims to be the Word of God, which makes it the best possible source for learning the ways of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 Claim number two. The Bible claims to be true and never tries to justify its statements. You would assume that if the Bible is God's word to us, claim number one, we could also be assured of its truthfulness to us. Indeed, the psalmist wrote, The law of the Lord is perfect, Psalm 19.7. So, we can trust the Bible to give us correct advice for life and living. Claim number three. The Bible claims to be alive. Consider this amazing statement. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 With claims like these, you and I should take special note and be at least a little curious as to what the Bible has to say about life and our priorities. I know that when I read the Bible, my life is transformed. I think differently. I act differently. I talk differently. No other book has the same effect.